So we're going to talk about today the third part of the series, expecting or experiencing an encounter with the Lord. There's no better person to encounter than God. You can meet people, you can have tutors and mentors and things, people that come along and show you, but all they're showing you is how to petition the Lord or get into his favor. Because once you have God's favor, things change miraculously. Things happen uh, exponentially. And so um, the next slide talks about uh, how we can talk to the Lord about our situations. And uh, as we've mentioned in prior weeks, that we have to get a time set aside to do a devotional to the Lord or time set to encounter with him, to have fellowship with him, to commune with him, separate. He wants to have that time with us. The Bible says he's a jealous God. When you do other things and you get more excited about other things, he's saying, you know, I'm, I, wish, I, I wish you were that excited about me. I wish you would come and spend time with me that way. And I know it's hard because he's an invisible God, but he's a God that you can feel. And you can sense and you can know. And then he shows up and then he also makes things happen in your life so that you know that he is a God that works for you. Uh, one minister said, you know, uh, God sometimes works in the subtle ways. And to be able to recognize it shows that you're a son of God and you see him answer your prayers. But uh, one thing that I've learned, and we're going to show in the Bible here, that you can petition the Lord. You can talk to him. You can reason with him. You can bring your concerns to him. And he's not a strict God, uh, a, uh, a dictator type God, but he's a God that is loving and kind and wants to share his life and his ways with you. So uh, one thing that you have to do is in, in, in dissecting the scriptures, you have to find a scripture that backs up what you believe. Right. And it can't be just one scripture. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that every scripture be of uh, two or three, let every word be established by two or three witnesses. And, and then also, I like to see where it's been activated in the Bible, where people in the Bible actually did what the Scripture said. And then I also like to see, well, how about does it work nowadays? Does it work in my life or in your life? And so that's what we're going to go through and see that the Scripture is there. The people applied the Scripture, saw the results, and then, yay, even us can do it in 2015. So Isaiah 43, 26 says, Put me in remembrance, remind me of your merits, let us plead and argue together. Set forth your case that you may be justified or proved right. God's saying, you know, I don't want to just give a judgment on a certain situation. Put me in remembrance. Tell me what you were going through. Tell me your merits. Tell me uh, your life and what's been going on. And let us plead and argue this case together. And we're going to find out that God sways and moves according to the way we talk to him. Set forth your case. You got a case? Everybody got a case, right? Everybody. Of course, we know that we're always right and the other person's wrong. That's just the way it is. That's our case. When I do marriage counseling, I hear the husband's side of the story, and oh, man, that wife, she's no good. Oh, my gosh. How do you live through it all? Then I talk to the wife, and, oh, my God, that man's a monster. <laughs> I mean, let's get the, the armory, the artillery, let's get out, and, and we got to shoot him or something. Set forth your case that you may be justified and proved right. Let's see if your case is right. I know my wife and I, when we were first married, you know, we always thought we were right. Her mom was living, us, living with us during the week, and we'd go there and sit on her bed and say, okay, tell us who's right. <laughs> I go through my story, and she'd go through her story, and her mom is very non-confrontational, very peacemaking, and she made us feel like we were both right, that we both could work it out. And we went back, and we went like, I don't know what happened there, but... <laughs> Did I win? Did you win? I don't know what we, I don't know who won. 
So God says, prove yourself right. And then the other, to confirm this in Jeremiah 12, 1, it says, Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you, yet let me talk with you about your judgments. Let me talk to you about the situations. Now, I want to tell you, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose with the Lord. Sometimes he agrees with you, sometimes he lessers the punishment, sometimes he doesn't agree with you, and you're stuck. Now, some things you can't negotiate, okay? We know sin is sin, and, you know, if you've done wrong, that's the story. But let's see here in the Bible. Well, let me, let me ask you, where, where do you find the first occurrence of men or women pleading with God? Let me give you a hint. Let me give you a, uh, a show here. Let's see. Adam and Eve, remember, right back in the very beginning. Adam and Eve. Adam, God told Adam, don't eat. You can freely eat of all the, the, the fruit of the trees in the garden, but don't eat of this one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that shows the abundance of God. You can eat anything you want, but just one thing. Give to me, right? And so guess what? Adam ate, Eve ate, and God came in the cool of the evening as he was walking, and he said, hey, what, where are you guys? And they said, we were hiding because we felt like we, we were naked. And he said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the, of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And what did Adam do first? It's the wife that you gave me. He blamed the girl and he blamed God. Isn't that what we do? Oh, we're always blaming. I found, and I've been in ministry a long time, anytime you confront somebody, they do one of these things. They defend. Oh, well, you know, I, the reason why I did that, what, they pretend, oh, you know, that wasn't no big deal. They, they blame somebody else. They hide. They minimize. It, you know, that's, it, it was nothing. They just, all kinds of excuses. I heard this one lady, she got a ticket for parking in a handicap when she ran into the post office and came out and she was blaming the policeman. What? <laughs> What's wrong with him? I only went in for five minutes and he gives me a ticket. Well, it doesn't matter. Five, 10, 15 minutes when you part, right? Every, we always have an excuse for someone else. So Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. And the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on, right? <laughs> he was on his belly for the rest of his life, right? All right, let's see another one. Cain killed Abel. Oh, my God. They had two children. They didn't do good in child-rearing. And so God said, you know what, Cain? Because of the evil that you do. Of course, they asked him, you know, Cain, where's your brother? What does he answer? Am I my brother's kid? You answer God that, that, that way? Am I my Who? Why you ask me? <laughs> it's like God didn't see what he did, right? Do you think God doesn't see what you do? I, I mean, really, before you got saved, you think God doesn't see you, right? Because you don't have any repercussions. He doesn't come down and talk to you or scold you or anything. You think, oh, well, just put it under the, the rug. But he sees everything that you do, everything. And so God said, well, listen, Cain, here's, the, here's your punishment. You're going to, whenever you uh, have any crops, you're not going to yield any produce from it. You're going to be a wanderer and a vagabond for the rest of your life. And you're going to be separated from my presence. And he said, that punishment is too severe. I can't take it. God said, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put a mark on you. And if anyone touches you, I'll bring, bring vengeance seven times fold. And I'll protect you. 
Okay, he, he, he reasoned with God, didn't he? he? He lessened his punishment. I know my son was that way. You know what, Sean? Go see if they can. Or, uh, Big Tommy, see if, they, if the air is on. Is the air on? Ask him if they can reset it. Um, my son, when he was growing up, this is how we knew he was going to be a lawyer. When he was like five years old, we said, okay, you're going to get a spanking. And he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is there any other way we can, you know, deal with this? No. Is it going to be a hard spank or a soft spank? I mean, is it going to be pants on or pants off? I mean, just be quiet. You're going to get spanked, okay? That's the way it is. <laughs> Come on, let us reason together, amen? Okay, next, next case. Here's Abraham discussing with the Lord about Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham comes, and, and Jesus comes with two angels. He said, we're going to have supper. We're going to have some, some dinner with Abraham. And then before they left, he says, should I hide from Abraham the thing that I'm going to do? I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. I know his nephew's there, and uh, I have to tell him about it. So he tells him about it. And the Bible says that all, everybody started walking off, and, and Abraham stood right in the face of the Lord and said, wait a minute. Are you going to destroy the righteous with the unrighteous? questioning God? Could you do that? Can you talk to God that way? I guess Abraham can. I guess we can. God, are you, are you going to just leave me in this situation? Are you going to help me in this situation? You know, I've been working for you and, and, and serving you all these days. Is this is what it's come to? No, God wants to reason with us. So Abraham, you know the story. He said, well, if there be 50 there, would you hold the... the uh, the city for 50. Then he went down to 45 and 40, 30. Got it all the way down to 10. He reasoned with the Lord. Amen? But he questioned God's judgment. Let's look at somebody else. Who's this guy? This is Jacob wrestling with an angel, right? All night long, wrestling, questioning, saying, God, you know, why don't you bless me? He said, well, no, I can't bless you because you got, you're a trickster. You're a, you, you, you try to connive and, you know, finagle things. So, well, I, you know, I had to, Lord, because, you know, my brother, he, uh, he, he was trying to keep the birthright, and I don't know you had it for me, he said, but the Lord said, you didn't have to trick him about it with the meal and the morsel and all that stuff. He was talking to the Lord and reasoning with him all night long. You ever done that? You ever just wrestled with, in a situation, you say, Lord, you know, why, why are they doing this to me? Lord, Lord, is this the way it's supposed to go? Lord, where, where are you, you know? Can you bless me? And finally, at the end, he was ready to go, and Jacob said, wait a minute, you can't leave without blessing me. And he blessed him at the end. God wants to bless you, but have you wrestled with the Lord? Amen? You know, you have to, God said, okay, I'll, I'll bless you, but I'm changing your name from trickster to a prince who prevailed with God. In other words, he changed. Jacob changed his attitude, his way of life. You know, we have to change in life. We can't remain the same all the days of our lives. We weren't born perfect. We had to get saved, and we had to change our life. We had to change our way of thinking. You know, uh, talking with Charlie, there's a, one of the schools is having a 35-year-old reunion, 35, year, 35 years from when you graduated. I went to my 25-year reunion, and the people that were there that weren't Christians were the same old fools they were when they were in high school. <laughs> Just crazy people 
thinking about going out and drinking and going doing this. Oh, man, it's, why, why are we in this place? Anyway, we, you know, who chose the food in here? I don't know. Come on, grow up. But the people that were Christians, they have a light and a love and a new focus and a desire to serve the Lord. It's completely different when you're saved. So we have to keep changing continually. Die daily to yourself and let the Lord change you. Amen? Let's see these other people. You getting the, you getting the gist here of, of how God is working with his people? It gets even deeper. Here's Gideon. Remember Gideon? God calls him. said, I want to make you uh, take... Uh, have you lead my people away from the Midianites who were uh, ravaging the city? And he said, me? You're talking to me? <laughs> you don't know who I am. My, my family is the weakest in all this nation, and I'm the least. I'm, I'm, I'm the least likely that you would call upon. But God says, I'm going to make you a leader and lead you against the Midianites. Isn't that nice to know? That you don't have, a, have to have a good stance in the world for God to use you. He can pull you and, draw, and, and bring you up. And so, uh, so, so look, here's how Gideon talks with him. He goes, if you're with us, why are we in this mess? <laughs> how do you talk to the Lord like that? You guys talk to the Lord like that? If you love me so much, why am I in this situation? <laughs> you know? And God said, I'm, just believe me, I'm with you, you know, but because of the, your... Your people sin, that's why you're in this mess, but I'm going to deliver you. So guess what Gideon does? He says, Let, just to confirm that you're talking with me, I'm going to put a fleece or some, a wool outside my doorpost, and if it's wet and everything around the ground is dry, then I'll know that this is you speaking to me. That's the Lord. So the Lord said, okay, yeah, I'll do that. So sure enough, the next morning he woke up and there's so much water, he just wrung it out. And then guess what, guess what Gideon says after that? Well, now, let's do it the reverse, okay? Let's make the fleece dry and all the ground wet. And if I was the Lord, I'd say, you know what? Forget it, okay? <laughs> I'm out of here. You're not listening. You're just too hard to work. Wouldn't you? But God said, sure, I'll do that. And sure enough, the next day he woke up, it was dry, and all the ground was wet. And God used him mightily. Okay, let's look at another person. Moses, oh my gosh, he was the most extravagant in petitioning the Lord. You know what happened? Well, first when God came to him and said, I'm going to use you to deliver my people out of Egypt, what, Mo, Mo, Moses had five excuses. Nah, you know, who, who should I say is sending me? What, what if they don't believe? I don't really talk that good. Why don't you just get somebody else? This is Moses, the great Moses. And God gets mad at him and says, you know what? You better get going here. You better get over there and start working. And so he did. And then in the midst of everything, uh, the Israelites build a golden calf. God's up on the mountain talking to Moses. And Moses comes down. And before he does, God says to Moses, he says, you know what? These people are, mess are, 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 are just hard-headed, stiff-necked. I'm going to wipe them out. Let's start all over again with another group of people. And Moses stops God and says, wait a minute. I thought you were the great God of mercy and long-suffering. And the children, I mean, the people of Egypt are going to say, oh, you just brought them out here to kill them. And you just uh, aren't strong enough to keep them. That's what they're going to say about you. He, I mean, he got in his face. 
and talk to him. Can you talk to God like that? I don't know if I could, to be honest with you. Here he's changing God's opinion of things. Okay, keep going. Is this, okay, here's, here's Jonah. And let me tell you, he had a whale of a story. Yes, indeed, he did. <laughs> he questioned God. He says, I don't want to go to Nineveh, you know. I don't want to preach to them. I don't really like them. I know they're going to, you know, as, they, as I preach to them, they're going to repent, and then you're going to be merciful, and then I'm going to be holding the bag. I don't want to do it. How did his negotiating work for him? Not that good. Want himself on, on a beach, no clothes, you know, no suitcase, no nothing, just all by himself. So when God wants to do something, he'll persuade you. He'll persuade you. Okay, let's keep going. And here's Hezekiah. I like this story. Hezekiah. Anybody know about Hezekiah? Good old King Hezekiah. Second Kings 20. Let's go there. The next slide and we'll read it. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. How, what does that mean, near death? He, he's, he, yeah, he's, you know, if, if the doctors told you you're near death, guess what? You better pack it up and get ready to go. So Isaiah, you know, Hezekiah sends Isaiah the prophet, and he comes, the son of Amos, and this is the major prophet. You know, this is not a minor prophet. This is a big-time preacher boy. Come, and he went to him and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Oh, well, thank God for Isaiah, huh? Don't call him anymore. Right? So the biggest prophet in the, Old, in the New Testament, Old Testament, comes and says, you're going to die. Set your house in order. What would you do? Well, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die, right? No, that's not what Hezekiah said. Ne next verse. Then he turned his face, Hezekiah, towards the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, remember now, O Lord, like God didn't remember, right? Do you remember, O Lord, how we worked together? I would pray how I've walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah did what? Wept bitterly. Now, that's, that's not a boo-hoo cry. That's a cry from your heart. God, I don't want to die. I want to be used of you. I want to change my ways. Would you just, you know, hear my cry? And the next verse says, And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, surely I will heal you. That's amazing, isn't it? Hezekiah, I mean, Isaiah gets in there and he tells him you're gonna die and he walks out of the court before he even gets out into the street. God says, whoop, turn around. I heard the cry, I heard his, uh, I seen his tears and I will heal him. Do we have another verse on that? No, we don't. Okay. So, so God, if you're going to die, let's go back to the, the scripture. If you're going to die or things are looking terrible for you, God will hear your cry. And he, God gave him how many years? 15 years. That's a pretty good prayer. But that prayer was based on how he was living his life for the Lord prior to that. When he was living good, guess what? God rewarded him. But when he was living bad, God said, you know what? Shh, I'm calling it quits. You're coming home. And Hezekiah, wait a minute, I can change. <laughs> Isn't that what us married folks say? Us husbands, I can change, okay? But we've been married for 40 years. That's okay, I, I, today is a new day. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> So, Hezekiah, you know, uh, Raul Reese has a good story about this. When he was sick, he was in the hospital, he was dying at the point of death. 
And they just bought this place over at Running Springs. It was uh, an $8,000 mortgage, beautiful church. And so <laughs> Raul Reese is sitting in the hospital and he goes, well, Lord, uh, the mortgage is $18,000 and if you want the elders to take care of it, that's fine. I'll just you know, go home, come home and be with you. <laughs> and the Lord said, oh no, <laughs> you're, you're, you're gonna be well, you're gonna be healed because God wants to use you where you're at. It does no good to bring you up to him when he needs you down here. The Bible says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Meaning costly is it, it costs him something when he has to retrain someone or get somebody ready to do what he's called you to do. Praise God. All right. Are you enjoying this? Is this okay? All right. Let's keep going. You got a couple more? Oh, who's this guy? This is David. And what was he petitioning the Lord for? His son. He slept with Bathsheba. The, and the, God said that boy cannot live because of the sin. And David petitioned the Lord. And guess what? He didn't get a good answer. He said, no, the boy's going. That's just the way it is. So sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But David didn't get upset at the Lord. He said, well, you know, he's a righteous judge. And he got up and he worshiped and prayed, the, prayed to the Lord. Okay, next person. Here's the New Testament. We're going to the New Testament because it works in the New Testament as well. This is a Canaanite woman. This is interesting. God tells his disciples, okay, guys, uh, I'm going to send you out to the lost sheep of Israel. Just go to them. Don't go to the Gentiles. Whatever you do, just go to the, uh, the, um, the Jewish people, my people. Okay, Lord, no problem. Then he goes, and this woman, the Canaanite woman, says, Jesus, my, my, my daughter is grievously vexed of a devil. Would you come and heal her? And you know what he said? Nothing. Not a word, the Bible says. Why? Because he just gave orders. This is what I, I, don't go to the Gentiles. Okay, then the woman cries out again and comes in worship and says, Lord, please help me. Then he says, it's not meat for us to give the children's bread to the dogs. Call her a dog. What would you do? Pfft, Jesus, who, this Jesus, he's not what he's cracked up to be. And then so she petitions again and says, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the table. And God, Jesus said, because of your faith, you will be well. She petitioned the Lord. He, she made him break his own rule that he told his disciples. Do you think you can make God break his own rules? I think you can. I think you can. Based on your relationship with him. You know, this house that we were talking about on Eagle Rock, I made a little, just a little white lie in applying for the application for the loan. Why are you laughing? There's no such thing as a white lie, right? <laughs> How about just a teeny little, little, just a little number that was off. And I felt so bad on the second day, I said, you know what, I just gotta, con I gotta confess, I gotta tell the, the banking people. So I called up the lender and I said, well, you know, on that application, I kind of fudged a little bit. And they go, don't worry about it, we knew what you meant. Really? I go, praise the Lord. Because I had saw when Abraham when he lied about his, his wife, Sarah, he didn't have to give up the gold and silver and all the things that he got from Abimelech. God restored him. So I said, Lord, I'll tell the truth, but just let me get the same interest rate that I was going to have. You're all laughing, huh? But my God heard my prayer, and he answered it, okay? You too can make a prayer and petition the Lord that way and break his rules. Okay, let's see another breaking of the rule. Here's Jesus and with Mary at the, uh, at the wedding, right? 
And, G and Mary says, they're out of wine. And what does he say? So? What, what's your concern have to do with me, woman? <laughs> Which is a, a polite term in those days, woman. Now it's not so good. Like, woman, get me my food. Not, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> no elbowing here, please. Okay. So uh, he said, it's not my time. Do you think Jesus knows when it's his time? But what did Mary say? Oh, but Jesus, come on. I'm your mother. I've been, I've been taking care of you all this time, cleaning your poopy diapers. <laughs> Sent you to the best schools. Right? We've taken care of you. Come on. I only asked one thing. Can't you just do this one thing? No, that's not what it was. Mary said, what? Told, turned to, didn't even answer Jesus. Turned to the servant and said, do whatever he tells you to do. What was she counting on? That Jesus could not refuse her because of his love and compassion. And all of a sudden, God in heaven tells Jesus, Go ahead, change the water into wine. And the Bible says that's the first beginning of the miracles in Canaan. It wasn't healing the sick. It wasn't feeding anybody. or any, It was changing the water into wine for a woman, not only his mother, but a woman that believed that he was going to do it for her. And he, she, she changed his rules. I mean, this is like heresy in some churches. If God said it, that's it. No. Back to the first scripture. Plead with me. You know, bring your case to me. Uh, let me let me see your let, let me see your merits. Where, where are you at in this? So, this is all. Let me see where are we at in the scripture. How, how about this guy, Peter? They're all in turmoil. They're in the sea. They're fishing and everything, and the boat the boat starts rocking, and they're all worried we're going to die. And here comes Jesus walking on the water. And what does Peter say? Hey. If it be you, let me, let me try that. <laughs> if I was Jesus, you know what I'd say? Stay in the boat, you silly guy. What are you doing? Trying to, this is me. I'm the son. I can only do this. I'm the son of God. What are you trying to do? You trying to steal my thunder? <laughs> I'm the man, okay? <laughs> I mean, let's be real, right? And Peter, and what did Jesus say? Come on. Come on with your bad self. Let's see. And Peter started walking, he started to fall, and <laughs> Jesus didn't say, well, I told you you couldn't do that. Now swim back to the boat. No, he reached down and grabbed his hand and picked him up, and they walked together, you know, towards the boat. So God will help you in whatever you're doing. He'll help, he'll walk you through it. Come, come, come. Okay, let's see. Do we have another one? Okay, I said all that to say this. I don't know how my time is. All right, we got a little bit of time. Uh, that was just an introduction. Now, now the preaching, okay? Matthew 26. This is when Jesus, at the Last Supper, he told his disciples, okay, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to give you my body. My blood is going to be shed for you. And as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And so they head out. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Whose idea was it to sing a hymn? Was it Jesus or the disciples? Personally, I can't imagine these fishermen singing a hymn. I mean, that must have been a real great sound, huh? Do you think Jesus was in the mood to sing a hymn? Like, guys, didn't I just tell you I'm going to get wiped out here? 
I'm going to get crucified. They're going to open up my back. All this stuff's going to happen. And you want to sing a hymn? Because they're happy. They're just happy. Go. We had the Last Supper. That was cool. And then they're going. And then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. But Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Now, we know the rule is never say never, right? Peter, why could you, t do you th he's been with the Lord for three and a half years. Don't you think he knows, the Lord knows him and knows what's going to happen? But no, Peter wants to step up right in front of his face and say, I'm, not me, I will never be made to stumble. Let's go to the next, next slide. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, that means, I'm telling you, Peter, for sure. I say to you this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter should have repented right there and said, okay, Lord, I'm sorry ahead of time, right? But no, he said, Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not de deny you. This guy, how, how can you talk to the Lord that way? I'll tell you how. You have a relationship with him. You're able to communicate with him. You're able to have uh, fellowship. He knows his heart. He knows he can say those things, and the Lord will be honest and real with him. There's some ministers, and we went last Sunday to, to uh, go to a minister, and uh, we walked in, and they were in the prayer line, right? And it was glorious, and there was ushers, and everything was happening. And I know the minister. I know his heart. I know he loves me. I just walked right up there with my friends. I said, come on, let's pray. You know, can you pray with us? I didn't even say that. I just came up. Boom. He prayed with us three times. Why? Because I know him. I know, I, I, can, I fellowship with him, right? Peter knows Jesus. He spent time with him. He can, he can say these kinds of things. And, but so said all the disciples, right? We're not going to deny you. And let's see what happens next. Then Jesus came with him to a place called Gethsemane, which is Jesus' altar, his private place with the Lord, and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took him, Peter and the two sons of Jebedee, which is James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Now the Son of Man, the Son of God, sorrowful and deeply depressed, that's pretty distressed, that's pretty serious, isn't it? Usually, I mean, he's got everything under control. Do you think his disciples should have figured this out? Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Right? That's the instructions. Watch and pray. Are we watching and praying over our lives, over our children, over our situations? When you're in the army and you're supposed to watch and pray, watch, are you supposed to be like just goofing off? You know, reading magazines and listening to self, you know, your cell phone? No, you're supposed to be watching and praying. How are my kids doing? How are they developing? Are they growing in the nurture of the Lord? How am I doing, you know? What's happening in my job? Am I doing good? You're supposed to be watching and praying. How's my wife doing? Is she happy? How's my husband? Is he happy? Can I make a difference in their life? What can I do? How can I be, make a difference in my life, in, in their lives? Then he said that my soul is exceeding sorrowful to death. Watch here and stay here and watch and pray. Next scripture it says, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father. Here's he's petitioning. Here it is. Ready? If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Isn't that a petition? Isn't that trying to alter? Isn't that trying to change God's mind and direction? If it be possible, 
can we rethink this? Can we look this over one more time? Is there any other way, any other punishment? But nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He makes a quick turn right there, right? Then he came to, <laughs> then he came to his disciples and found them what? Sleeping. Sleeping. And he said to Peter, what? Are you kidding me? God is Jesus surprised. What are you doing here? In Italian, it'd be, hey, what the matter you, huh? What's happening here? In Spanish, it'd be, que pasa, huh? Modern day English, what up with this? <laughs> I mean, these disciples are not newborn Christians. They're, they're not fledglings. They've been with Jesus for three and a half years. He said, I'm exceedingly sorrowful and greatly uh, disturbed, uh, uh, stressed. Pray. Watch and pray. Could you guys pray? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. What's happening here? They're already denying the Lord because they're not doing what he said. So he said to who? Peter. Why Peter? Because Peter was making this big boast. I'm not going to deny you. But he said, Peter, are you, are you getting yourself built up? You know, half the times we give in to temptation because we haven't prayed. We haven't changed our, our lifestyle because of no devotional time. That's where you get your strength. That's where you get your direction. That's where you get your purpose when you see the Lord in your prayer time. Okay, next scripture. So Jesus went down and he laid face. Let me see. Is there a scripture after this? One more. Yeah. And a second time he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, Lord, my Father. No, let's go back to the first one there. When he prayed, he didn't just do a little polite prayer. The Bible says he laid before the Lord, prostate. This is Jesus, the Son of God, praying and sweating great drops of blood. He was pressing in. I don't want to do this, Lord. You ever been there? I don't want to forgive this person. I don't want to live with this person. I, this is not going to work. But God said, press in. And so he was pressing in. And then he went back. Let's leave this next slide. He had to wake his disciples up the second time. I mean, these guys are in a dead sleep. They're like, come on, come on. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Are we sleeping on the Lord when he's saying you need to be watching and praying? Life is passing us by. All of our direction, all of our purpose is passing us by because we're not getting in and finding out what the Lord has for us, okay? Next, next thing, we're almost done here. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. All right, so now he's getting a little bit more positive, isn't it? He's saying, okay, you know, if that's the way it is, if this, is, if this cup can't pass from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. One more scripture, I think. And so he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Now, if Jesus had to pray three times to get strength to overcome his situation, how about us? Is it just one? I prayed already about that. No, it's a continual praying and seeking the Lord. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Now, here's the interesting note is Jesus didn't make them stay awake. He didn't, you know, berate them and say, okay, you guys are out. Okay, no more. You guys are not the apostles anymore. <laughs> You're through. You're done, right? 
But Jesus was, is a kind uh, pastor, <laughs> minister, son of God, right? Behold, now check this out. Watch how his tone changed, Jesus' tone changed after the third time. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. What happened? He went from, I'm weak, I'm, I'm, I'm tormented, I'm sorrowful, to rise, let's go. Behold, the betrayer is at hand, we're going to get this thing done. Isn't that the way we have to be? You might be weak, you might be discouraged, you might not know the direction, but if you spend time with the Lord... You can rise up and all of a sudden have the strength of God and be able to see him work in your behalf. Amen? Do we have anything else? That's the end of the slideshow. Amen. <laughs> but I hope this makes a difference in your life. That you might be troubled, you might be in a situation, you say, you know what, I, don't, I just don't see any way out. I don't see how God can work in my behalf. It seems like I did, did some things that caused me to be in this situation. But God's saying, you know what, come to me. Let's talk about this. Let's find a way out. Let's see how we can make arrangements so that the glory of God can come upon your life and to accomplish the things that I want to do for you. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you that as these have heard your word, that they're able to know that you, you're a God that is more than enough. A God that is here to hear our call and our cry. And that, Lord, you'll never leave us to be ashamed or disappointed. But you give us strength to do the things that you want us to do. So, Father, let us not be discouraged about any situation that we're facing. Know that your, your power and your strength and your glory is more than enough to accomplish all that we need to have done in our lives. Thank you, Lord. It's not our strength. It's not by our might, but it's by your spirit. And I thank you that you just endue your spirit upon these people right now, that they're encouraged, Lord God, to continue to do what you've called them to do, that they're not weary in well-doing, and that they know that, Lord God, that if they faint not, they'll see your glory. The presence of the Lord is coming right now. Just receive it in the name of Jesus to strengthen you and encourage you. I thank you, Lord God. I praise you, sweet Jesus. Thank you.